What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Let's get this party started because you guys are ready to leave work soon and we're not trying to keep you here forever. Um, okay, so I'm Helen. I think I've met most of you. If you, we haven't met, I'm Helen. It's nice to meet you from Helen's Wines. And this is Madison Hello. Martin, a.k.a. Mad Dog. If you listen to my podcast, which at DBA, it should be a requirement. And if it's not, I'm going to talk to Raina <laughs> about that. No, uh, actually, one of my psalms emailed the entire staff at John and Vinny's and was like, you're required to listen to the podcast. And it I was, was like, intense. Yeah, I was like, that, and I wasn't CC'd on that email. And I was like, that's kind of hardcore and aggressive. But Pull back. Go Sash. Go Sash. She's, she's killing it. So today, by popular demand, except Paige asked for it and she's not here. So... You can thank Paige later, if, if, or not thank her, if you don't like this class. <clears throat> I've never done this class. It's buzzwords. Buzzwords. Mm. Um, buzzwords in wine are really tough because a lot of times it's kind of made up by psalms like me, just intuiting and vibing and having courage to just say whatever the fuck you think about the wine, whether it makes sense or not. If you go to the Court of Master Sommeliers, which is this slightly highbrow, a little douchey, and slightly misogynistic club where you can get pins based on what you know. Anyway, I shouldn't talk shit about them. I have a lot of friends who are Master Psalms or Advanced Psalms. You have to train yourself to identify very specific characteristics in Pinot Noir, Grenache. So when, people, when I say there is no wrong answer, I'm talking to the people. If I was talking to my psalm team and they want to become a master psalm, there is right and wrong. It's like there's a difference between like lychee and pineapple and it's a big fucking deal. So my stepdad told me not to curse so much on the podcast. So shout out Charles Warner. <laughs> um, <clears throat> any questions before we start? What is a buzzword? Okay, so to me... Wine is not only alienating, but it's also about developing your own individual way of talking about wine. And that's why we're going to kind of decode some things you might hear a lot. And then you can maybe build up your vocabulary based on which wines you like today, if that makes sense. So starting with the first wine, I put Petnat on there because that's kind of a buzzword on the street if you're going to the places I'm going to. Um, and it stands short... <laughs> 
Mad Dog's losing it. It stands short for Petiant Naturale. This is sort of the wine community's shortened abrev, if you will, nice. of Petiant Naturale. So Pet Nat. And it's referring to the way that this is made into a sparkling wine. So I did talk about this on another episode, but I'm just going to briefly break it down. When you have sparkling wine, there's two kind of parental ways to make it. There's method ancestral and method traditional. And then there's many derivations off those two into like, if you think like an Gantt chart for sparkle wine, it's like all sparkling wine, then yeah. So this is a method ancestral. And what it means, the primary difference between a pet nat and let's say champagne is that a pet nat the first fermentation where it's eating the sugar to it's the yeast is eating the sugar to convert to alcohol they don't let this process completely end they put the wine in the bottle they cap it and then they let the second fermentation start which carbonates it so first you get the alcohol all sparkling wine goes through two fermentations so that's when you talk about a pet nat it's always something that when it is what it is, it gets bottled, it completes in that home, and it never gets filtered, and it never gets fined. And usually the result is it's a little bit juicier, a little bit sweeter. Not like sweet, like those goddamn Starbursts, so sweet to me, but so good. I, every time I come in, I grab three pinks, and there's only yellow. And I'm like, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can just buy pink and just... just throwing it out there for the gods of Starburst, whoever orders it. Um, so where was I? Pet nats. Pet nats. Um, it, a little bit sweeter, and the bubbles are not going to be as refined as champagne. They're like a little more casual, a little more lackadaisical. Pet nats usually have a pop top. You don't age them. They're supposed to be fun. Pool party wines, just like this Nieve York, which is from Castilla y León in España in Spain. Um, <laughs> so this is made from Tempranillo is a red skin grape and Verdejo, which is a white skin grape. How are the reactions to this wine? We could just get a show of hands. Is it your vibe? Not your vibe? Be honest. It's okay. A pet nut is going to have a little funk to it. It's often associated with being very low intervention. And what that means is they can't add anything to it because you're basically putting it into the bottle before you could doctor the shit out of it good positive reaction it's not for everybody and it's okay if it's not i don't take anything personally i have very thick skin but that's pet nat i also put the word salty on there because salty is a nice way to describe something that it's not really dry but it's like kind of making your mouth pucker think swimming in the ocean you get a little ocean water in there and then you bite into a watermelon this is a weird fantasy where i have watermelon in the ocean but it could happen, and maybe it will on your next vacation. And then the last word, fresh. Like, I use fresh a lot. Fresh is something that's, like, exciting, fresh. It's bursting in my mouth. Fresh also, to me, refers to a wine that Mad Dog's going to come with wine number two. So the white cup you can dump if you want. You don't have to or chug. I don't know what the I don't know what the lift policy is at DBA. I don't know if you can leave your car overnight, but you do you, people. You do. Um, freshness is like when you're looking for a fresh wine, you don't want it to have like, it's not going to lingle in, in your mouth too long. It's going to just kind of come and go and not be like anybody who's taken a sip, like there's no long after flavor, right? So there's a couple things when you think about a wine and you're starting to develop your descriptors. It's 
how does this feel in my mouth? <laughs> and what is the finish like? Finish is a buzzword that refers to literally the flavor lingering. So like if you eat garlicky broccoli with chili flake, you are going to have that garlic flavor lingering. That's the finish of that food item. Wine has the same exact thing. And then RS is residual sugar. And residual sugar is the natural sugar that has not converted to either alcohol or sparkling. And that's sometimes what can make a wine sweet, especially a more naturally made wine. Any questions about those first buzzwords? Bzzz. No. Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> and there's no dumb questions, too, please, honestly. Is a Petion Naturel always a, ro a rosé? It's such a good question. No. Sometimes it can be really green. Sometimes it can be more yellow. It depends on what grape varietal it's made into. So all rosé is made from red skin grapes. Tempranillo is a red skin grape. And so that's why, since this wine is predominantly Tempranillo, that's why it's pink. It gets a quick impression from those red skins. If you made a Tempranillo that's red wine, it would you'd macerate it for longer with the juice in the skins. Okay, next wine, wine number two, Chateau de Breze. This is Chenin Blanc. I love Chenin Blanc. It's so cool. I podcasted about it this week with Ashley Stryker. Um, it's the white wine that converted her into white wine loving from hating. Mad Dog, thoughts on Chenin Blanc? I love Chenin Blanc. Um, I feel like I'm like holding a flag that's like, yay, Shannon. Um, because to me, it's like the common ground between my wine and parents' wine. Like, it's the wine that my mom and I can crack and both love it equally. Hybrid. Make mom happy. Make and you don't mom hate happy it. and don't drink her oaky shard. Like, oh. that's the move. You take her a Shannon Blanc and you're like, it's not a Chardonnay, but it's Chardonnay adjacent ish yeah you know and and some, suddenly you can get mom on board with like really dope wines i love that the move shout it's out move. to mad dog's mom oh she's gonna be sherry so jazz sherry martin i think mads <laughs> is right so chenin blanc as a grape is can be known as like a chameleon depending on what soil it's planted in so it can come off as more round more acidic more minerally this one has a few different things going on. So I don't know how you guys feel, but when you take your first sip, it's hitting you right away with a lot of, some people think that's acidity and it is a little bit acidic, but it's not crazy acidic. It's minerals. It's grown in limestone soil. So that what you're feeling coming across the middle of your tongue where it's like fresh, but then you get it a little back here. That's the minerality of the wine. But it's not super, super dry. That's why I did dry question mark. <laughs> but it's not sweet. I like to say it has this honey-coated quality. So it has this luscious, mellifluous vibe where you almost have like the idea of like a Pop Rocks or a Sour Patch Kids. That same idea where minerality is going to be that sort of, ooh, it's texture and it's vibe and it's like electric. And then the honey coated is coming from the Chenin Blanc grape itself. Acidity I put on there because we didn't really bring a good example of like an acidic wine. But the way that you tell if you like acidic wine is literally you feel it like kind of stripping the enamel off your teeth, literally. You feel it back here. You're just like, ah, yeah, 
Yeah, super zippy. It's like fresh. There is very little aftertaste, and your mouth starts to super salivate. Like literally gets wet. Great like, for food. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you want to eat a little fried chicken bite and then drink acidic food because acidity cuts fat. So that's really fun food and wine pairing. Um, but those are like the buzzwords that, yeah. Question. So you said that this would be good to pair with a um, fried chicken. Yes. So would this be good to pair with anything salty? Anything? Yeah, I, I believe so. French fries, like depends. Like you could even pair this with like salt beef. Um, you could pair Chenin Blanc with anything, I believe, because it's such a dynamic flavor palette. But I think salty food's really good for it or Vietnamese food. Mm. It's definitely like a savory food vibe. It's also a really nice like aperitif happy hour type wine. And it is <clears throat> Chardonnay is a totally different grape and to me tastes very different, but they have a very similar weight and mouthfeel. So when you're trying to identify what you like about wine, if you like this or you like Chardonnay, you like something that has more viscosity. And viscosity is literally the movement of the wine and how it feels in your mouth. It's not really a flavor. So that's what you have to kind of target is that holy trifecta of flavor, mouthfeel, and finish. All of those things are the umami of wine. I'm still dreaming about Chenin Blanc and French fries right now. <laughs> I mean, next class, maybe just Chenin Blanc and French fries. We'll bring Whoa. a mountain. Pyramid of fries. Whoa. Any questions about those buzzwords? Dry, what a dry wine is. We're going to talk also about dry red wine at the with the last wine. Dry white wine is one that's like... It's just clean. To me, dry white wine has no fruit expression. And when I say fruit expression, it's like you can't be like, oh, this kind of tastes like apples or pineapples or has some sort of, it has low identity index. Yes. A question over there in the mustard pant. Love mustard. Very fall. Here we go. Here we go, yo. Um, what's the difference between a Chenin Blanc and a Sauvignon Blanc? Great question. They are technically have some shared parental lineage when it goes back to like ancient Greece and ancient Italy where grapes were first sort of cultivated. Um, but they're actually not related really at all. So like back in the day, they kind of had a shared relative on the Mayflower of wine. But, <laughs> but now, no. Sauvignon Blanc is a totally different white wine grape. They just both say Blanc at the end. There's also like Pinot Blanc. Um, it's a little annoying and confusing, but it's just like there's Cabernet Franc and Cabernet Sauvignon. They're shared familial ties, but they have totally different flavor profiles. Sauvignon Blanc always has way more minerality. And it also cannot get this honey-coated effect unless they put the wine in new oak to give it roundness. Chenin Blanc naturally likes to express itself with this sort of like va-va-voom, subtle voluptuousness all on its own. She's a doozy. She's amazing. She's Chenin. <laughs> How did you guys like this Chenin? Yay or nay? Yay! Yes. And this is from one single parcel. It's called the Clodamini. It's hard to also read wine labels, and we could do a whole class on decoding that if you want. But this is from Samour in France, which if this is the Loire Valley, which is like the mothership region, the Samour is right here. And that when you see a wine from Samour, it's always going to be Chenin Blanc for white wine. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got a question right here. I think my mic can make it. Yes. 
Do dry, so if you have a dry wine, does it, do all dries hit you at a certain point in your mouth? Excellent question. So I think for dry red wine, that is a whole other bag of chips and we'll get to it. For dry white wine, yes. For me, dry wine though, in general, if the wine is super dry, always hits me right at the tip of my tongue. So if you think about your palate as like four zones, your, your, your mouth palate, tip of the tongue, sides of the tongue, like here, mid palate is here, and then the back of your throat. Like how is it going down? It sounds so weird and like, am I a dentist or am I a zom? I try and make wine jokes to my dentist and my like the cleaner woman and she, she's, tar she's hard to crack, but I'm, I'm wearing her down. I'm wearing her down. She's pretty cool. She's a badass little feminist hygienist. Um, she's the ultimate feminist hygienist. But that's a great question. Usually it's right up front. Whereas acidity is creepy sometimes where you can't really feel it till the back. And then it's like screaming. Like when you taste a lemon, it's like, ooh, sweet, then sour. A lot of times people associate acidity with sour. I don't like sour. That word is hard for me to understand when people say it, to be honest, because I'm like sour pickle. Sour wine to me is something that's bad. It's turned. It's not good anymore. So that's why I think acidity is actually what they don't like. They don't want to be, they don't want to be like, ah, ree! like a little... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, electric kitty in the back of your throat. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're climbing Mount Winemore today. There we are. We got we're halfway. <laughs> this we're halfway there and I already need some gorp. <laughs> East Coast guys. That's I grew a, up in that's New York. a great reference. Yes, it is. Gorp is trail mix. Granola, oats, yes. raisins and peanuts. Yep. Exactly. And then my mom would add M&Ms because she was a boss, and we mm. never got candy. So, like, it was a real treat. She knew how to motivate a young hiker. <laughs> okay, that's... <laughs> don't feel bad for me. I was fine. <laughs> like, they're like, she never got candy. My mom's going to be like, that's not true. She's an avid listener to the podcast. Doesn't really drink. Um, so, next wine. This one might be DBA controversial, TBD. So, I want everyone to smell this wine. Don't taste it. Just smell it. Smells sweet. Okay. But like, what kind of sweet? Smells like roses. So it smells floral. I think you're going to be surprised when you taste it. So roses, if it was a fruit, maybe apricots, like bundles of overripe apricot or apricot jam slathered on a baguette with butter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I went there. We're in France now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would be boss with that. I also think this wine would be really good, is good with savory food. So you're smelling it. You think it's going to taste sweet. So everybody take a sip. Right? So this is what we're... So this, it, it's it, it's dry. It's acidic. Yeah, it's both. Everyone got a little wide-eyed after I that know. taste. Everyone was like, whoa. This wine also is what you call an orange wine. Skin contact, it is. I, yeah. Skin contact, orange wine. And it's a very unusual grape varietal. Um, so it's definitely okay. It's not for everybody. And that's okay if you don't like it. This is kind of a challenging wine. Mezcal, yeah, it's strong. A lot of people think this is strong. Question. Is it just, is it just orange for its color or because of the fruit? Great question. 
And a really good question because you know what? I actually went to Sicily in June and this guy, Angelo, made wine from oranges and it was like real orange wine. That's going to confuse a lot of people. <laughs> orange wine is just the street name for skin contact white wine. Actually, if you if you look at this bottle, it says skin fermented, which means that they're taking after they've picked the grapes, they've pressed them. So now you're in the winery, in the vat, skins and juice pressed. You have a decision to make. That's the fermentation time. And they're allowing the skins and the juice to hang out for an extra long period of time, allowing for more color extraction and texture. But that's also why you're getting these beautiful aromatics. So that smell, when I had you, you were talking about the aromatics of a wine, the nose, the bouquet. You're getting these beautiful aromatics, but the skin contact is also oxygenating while it's fermenting. So that's why it's also dry as you drink it. A Gelber Muscateller, like if you, if some other person was making it, it's a very uncommon grape varietal, super rare, made in Austria mostly. If someone didn't do extended skin contact and they just made a white wine, sometimes they can be a little clunky, a little tough on their feet, like not really well-defined, express themselves as sweet or floral on the palate, and it's not as pleasing, in my opinion. Kind of like a grape called Gewürztraminer. Steer clear. It's just they're, they're like a little overwrought. Um, but so this is like floral is a good way to talk about this wine. And you don't need to, it doesn't need to be sweet to be floral. Um, aromatic the nose and the palate the palate is what you're describing the nose is what you smell and the palate is what you taste so those I think are good buzzwords you guys are all developing your palate and the important thing about this is we're all unique human beings with different tongues and different thoughts and different constitutions so what I think is good or what your friend thinks is good doesn't mean you have to think it's good because we don't taste everything the same way we all have different size taste buds. I mean, just to break it down, some people are super tasters. Some people don't like the way cilantro tastes. Like, it, the list goes on. So, and some people can't taste anything or smell anything. It's sad. Some people are colorblind. Okay, we're getting like... <laughs> They're know, like, wait, what's an orange one? I, this yeah. is gray. <laughs> Terrible. I remember That is so funny. I guess like 60 or 70% of all men are colorblind. Anyone heard that stat? Not women, men. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, <laughs> fella? Yeah. But, yeah, and like, I think that, like, so I've had a few friends who discovered their husbands are colorblind, and the guys don't give a shit. And the women are like, you're colorblind. And I'm like, he's not that bad. Like, just don't let him pick out any of the furnishings at all. No. I did go into one house where the husband did pick out. Okay, I got to stop before I get ahead. Um, it's just an interesting palette. It, it totally works, but I'm like, mm, cool, got it. Very interesting. I will say a weird thing with orange wine, jumping back into orange wine, if you want. Yeah, um, yeah I do. It is, it is only in reference to the color, uh, but I will say with a bunch of them, we've noticed that um, they can be all different grapes. It's not always the right, gra the same grape. So it's it's tricky when someone comes into the shop and they're like, I like orange wine. And you kind of, it's like someone walking in and being like, I like white wine. It's you got to get more specific than that. But they all taste very different. They They're all taste all very floral. different. They're but some floral, of them, yeah. and a, a, a good chunk of them, have like this orange blossom quality, which is kind of yes. a funny coincidence, but not why it has its name. Yeah. And they're all kind of fuerte, aka strong, but not like they're not higher in alcohol. 
just to put yeah. that out there. They're punchy. Any questions about this Gelber Muscateller? Austria, it's, I talked about it on my podcast coming out next week, so you guys can all listen up. This is made by Wenzel in Austria in an area called Bergenland, um, and it's the wild and free. So wild and free refers to the way he approaches the winemaking. Wild and free. He gets all, like, genuine on it with low sulfur, no additives, nothing taken away. Um, <clears throat> we're jumping into the pool of red wine. Red, red wine. <laughs> uh, so this wine is made by Ampaye. She also made the Wonder Woman. I think we sent that to you guys, the blue bottle with the Wonder Woman on it. So this is one of her red wines. It's a pot de N, which actually, when you say that, means donkey. That's why there's that cute little tail. Uh, oh, we brought the anagram. Sorry. We swapped it out. I changed the menu. Okay, so this is the anagram. Serial killer. This is a serial killer wine because it has the weird cutout letters, but I love it. Um, it's 100% Grenache, and I wanted to show an example of a wine. We chilled this one. Chilled reds is a big buzzword that people are like, Why? when would you chill a red? Why would you chill it? All red wine, no matter what, should be kept at a good cellar temperature. Cellar temperature technically is 55 degrees. If you don't have a cellar at home, it's all good. Just throw all your wine in the refrigerator or in a place that doesn't exceed 75 degrees. It just will cook your wine if it gets too hot. Unless it has a shit ton of chemicals and stabilizers in it, then that shit's like Teflon and it'll probably be okay. Just saying. <laughs> um, but chilled reds, I like to chill reds that have low tannic structure. It does mean that they can have a little bit of texture. Texture is the way you feel it move on your palate. So what are tannins? Tannins are actual things that exist in grape skins and stems. And there's different sizes depending on the red grape varietal. So highly tannic wine has bigger tannins. And so you feel it more on your tongue. Lower tannin wine, smaller baby tannins. Don't feel it so much. Imagine a cat is licking your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That is the feeling of tannins. All right, imagine Getting this. into me, yeah. <laughs> Maybe imagine something else. Imagine tea. tea. You want some English breakfast. Spot of tea. A spot of tea. But you get called away from your cup. <laughs> you leave the bag in for 20 minutes. You oversteep the tea. Then you have a very tannic wine. There's tannins in tea leaves tea leaves too so you've over extracted it and you can feel it as you're, it's like like that feeling tannins Terrible. cat tongue um so to me this wine is juicy it's not jammy it's juicy to me because it's fruit forward it has a juicy juicy quality it's not sweet but then it also has a little bit of texture right in your mid palate, and it's low in tannin, so it's not dry. And usually a chillable red, this is your ideal scenario. Lighter bodied, thinner skinned red grape, juicy, not jammy. We'll talk about what jammy is. I put it on as a buzzword down there because people are like, jammy, what is it? But those are, I mean, those are great words if you dig this wine to like go into a restaurant or a wine shop. And because a lot of people ask us, like, how am I supposed to ask for the wine I like? This is what I like, but how am I supposed to tell them that? And that's perfect. If someone walked into the shop with no reference to a winemaker or a label or even a grape and gave us those adjectives, we'd know exactly what to pull for them. 
Yeah. So it's just, it's a matter of knowing the right words so you can communicate what you like and we can help you find what you like. Yes. You can be like, I want juicy, like a fresh harvested bushel of strawberries. Well, maybe come into Helen's Wines <laughs> if you want to speak in metaphors, but <laughs> I don't know if other wine shops will be like, yes, yes, come on this adventure. Maybe it's extra. Um, cosmic is a word I use a lot. It's true. To describe wine. Because it kind of takes you into another planetary state of mind. But maybe that's just me. It has a vibe. The vibe is really good. You know, it's sort of like is unusual. I don't know how many of you have had a wine that's like this before, if it tastes new and different. And then the last word is carbonic. Carbonic is a good way if you like this juicy style, low tannin, not dry red. You could ask for a wine that has gone through partial carbonic maceration. And it's a process that any person like me will know what you're talking about. It It's a decision that's made during fermentation where the grape ferments with the skin intact so it creates a buoyant fresher juicier wine low tannins so it's a world it's a vibe that's carbonic in a nutshell dun 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 delish um cool any questions about the anagram any of these words you guys top wine of the day no yes yes so we're just getting yeses and no's and i don't even know what it means um <laughs> okay so there'll be more of these. You guys can revisit at leisure, but I'm going to do the last wine so we can let you get on with your wine party. So this wine is uh, an example of an uh, when people say an old world wine. These are all old world wines, but I thought this is like what a stodgy older person might say is like, I want an old world wine. Um, old world wines are wines that are made in France, Italy, Germany, basically the old world. And new world wines are newer production regions like America, South America, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. It's places where winemaking is started in the last century, basically, or two centuries. Um, so this has more tannins. It has more structure. So when you take a sip, compared to, you got to compare it to the last wine. It has a little bit more of that dry, tannic structure. Can everyone feel it a little bit more? And this is fuller bodied. So it's not juicier, but it has more fruit. This is borderline jammy to me. Some people would be like, this is not jammy at all. But it has more bang in your booty. I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. I'm just like, <laughs> guys, I'm losing it. I'm losing it for sure. So bang in your booty means it has more junk in the trunk. Yeah. So that's what I meant to say. Um, just fuller bodied. So this is a blend too. And I put blends on there because a lot of times people are like, do blends suck or blends bad? And it, do you just want to go pure single varietal? It there None is better than the other, except some of the most expensive wine in the world is made from one varietal. A blend is a great way to have this beautiful symphony of like-minded grapes that add different textures, flavors, and balance. So it gives you this great moment and you can enjoy it. So this is 2012. It has a nice amount of age on it, adding to its depth and weight. And it's a blend of Syrah, Grenache, Carignan, and Cabernet Sauvignon. 
And I think what you're really tasting, like when you want a jammy wine, calves usually scream jammy to me. And a lot of times it's coming from the oak. When you want like a thick wine, it's talking about how it feels in your mouth, how it's coating your mouth, how it's leaving weight on your palate. Um, but this is made in the Tarras de Larzac, which is in southwestern France right down here. And it's definitely like an old world wine and a great example of a killer red blend. Question for you. Answers. Would a Bordeaux winemaker be offended if you called his wine a red blend? No, I think people usually say Bordeaux blend mm -hmm. because when you have a Bordeaux, depending on which part of Bordeaux, there's really only th four grapes you can use to blend. So by saying it's a Bordeaux blend, you're indicating it's a blend of all of those, which are Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Merlot, and then usually a tiny bit of Petit Verdot. So no. And blends aren't bad. Also, magnums aren't bad. I had a woman who was like, don't sell me a magnum. What am I a whore? And I was like, no, magnum. <laughs> who is this one? <laughs> she... She called the bat phone, the, and, I and I don't, answered. Don't some people argue that magnums are better in a way? Because it's, it's not like, an argument; it's fact. It's like straight. It's closer to barrel than it's big, the bigger is better. Yeah, when it comes the to wine, bigger <laughs> is better. Don't know what your mom told you, but no. <laughs> Again, bad. It's the motion of the ocean, guys. The motion of the no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all mental. Um, no. <laughs> bigger the bottle, the wine ages better and ages slower. So smaller the bottle is worse. Half bottles just don't express the wine as well. 750s are great. But if you have a magnum of wine, it's going to last longer if you're trying to age it or it's going to be in a better place because the wine has like more real estate to move around. Wines are alive. Living wine. I'm about to trademark it and just make hats and Hashtag. shit. Hashtag. Um, any questions about anything I've said so far? guys are good other just quick i did buzzwords on the bottom terroir terroir is something i talk about a lot i tell people when they're dining out or at a wine shop you want a, a terroir driven wine and what that means is it's small production inherently because it's expressing the place that it was from so terroir is referencing the geological structure of the soil the terrain and the way the vineyards are facing Biodynamics. Biodynamics is a farming method developed in the 1920s by an Austrian philosopher. And it basically is indicating your choices in the vineyard and farming based on the moon cycle. It's kind of hippy dippy, but it actually is super dope. And a lot of times the wines are better. It's like organics, like it's super organic. Coachella sister. Yeah. yeah. That's like out dancing in the desert. Oh, it's like bur when Burning Man was cool. Right. Yeah. That's biodynamics. <laughs> now it's just like flower crowned Uber, organic. Uber's yeah. There. Um, <laughs> we talked about dry wine. We talked about sweet wine. We talked about full body wine, light wine. Light is just like it's all about the impression that wine's making on your palate. Um, medium bodied is like middle of the road. You don't want too full. You don't want too light. Medium bodied. Unfiltered wine is awesome. Let me just put it to you this way, though. Like, some of these are more natural than the others. We could, natural wine is a big buzzword I didn't even mention. But basically, all the wines I buy are either organic, biodynamic, or natural. So the base level for all the wines is they're organically farmed. And they don't have crazy uses of chemicals in the cellar. Biodynamics is a step further than that. They're really using restrictive practices. Very, It's like a guide. It's like being a Christian. You know, really strict 
Catholicism. I don't know. Just maybe, or just like really following your religion. Maybe let's say that's, that. Yeah, that following, good. ticking all the boxes. And then there's natural wine. And natural wine is like probably the most extreme where you're doing everything that's organic and biodynamic, but then you're it's basically fermented grape juice. There's absolutely nothing else that you've done. And it doesn't mean that when we have an organic wine, they've done something bad to it. They've just made different choices than a hyper purist. But what I will say is that doesn't mean that if you go to a wine shop that's not mine, which I'm following you always with my drone. <laughs> I know where you go. <laughs> Just kidding. That's creepy. Um, <laughs> if you go into a wine shop or you go to a restaurant and you ask for a natural wine or a biodynamic or organic wine, not all are made well. You got to think about it like any person or any chef could go to the farmer's market and get the dope ass produce and they suck at cooking. Like their food is terrible. So you started with something great and then you made something terrible. So I just like to put that out there. It's like not all wine is created equal. Or vice versa. I mean, you know, think about going into Whole Foods and you see like these uh, snacks are natural versus organic. Like no one's registering or certifying something as natural so you do have there is an element of research to where if you ask for a natural wine and they're like yeah sure this is natural you have to be like well what makes it natural why do you say that what are the farming practices behind it to back it up yeah there's a lot of con artists out there too with these buzzwords you got to be Especially careful the bigger houses now are claiming they're like we're natural now oh, like totally. that can't like what there was true. one like it was basically like um two buck chuck but it wasn't it was like some yeah. version of that like yellowtail was like natural wine like it was just funny it's like people will use these marketing buzzwords and yes we have a question yeah oh yeah okay. go for it my question is is do you know the story of Two Buck Chuck? Because what I heard was that there was um, a disagreement between a wife and husband. The husband liquidated all the assets and sold all of the bottles. No. I didn't, no, I didn't know that. Oh, no, which is why it's telling. so inexpensive. But it's not a terrible quality of wine, apparently. I think that might be what they want you to think. Yeah, okay. All right, so they're the con artists. That, like, <laughs> Chuck is a con artist. Because, like, yeah, because, like... Like, how many bottles did they have? Like, limitless. <laughs> Infinity bottles. But, like, but I like that folklore. It's very, <laughs> very smart of them. Are there any people in this room, though, that are vegetarian, pescatarian, vegan? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really important. It's super important. Um, a large majority of wine, especially in grocery stores, is not vegetarian, nor vegan, nor pescatarian friendly. So that is a big red flag. There will be no sign to tell you that. Yeah. It's not a special section. You don't. Well, Just you, things to be concerned about because I'm the same way. That's, how, that's where I fell into. Mad Dog's a pescatarian. Yeah. And how many fish bladder filtered wines have I consumed? <laughs> it was not a high five, but I liked it. What makes it not vegetarian? Like, like, um, so there's techniques. We're talking about conventional wine here, which is more mass-produced wines. So there's, uh, you can use pork and cow stomach lining as an agent to not only filter 
but extract unwanted particles. Like there's just all, and then fish bladders are often used. They're, they're bought in like a dehydrated form and they're put into the wine and they suck like microbes and stuff that people, imperfections or make the color pop. Shrimp shells and rosé. Removing the clarity. A lot of pale, pale rosé is bleached. Like there's just a lot of shit, but yeah, you got to be careful. It's a really good question. We're adding this page in the next few weeks to our, which will help everyone, not just Helen's is like, you got to go by importer or distributor because that's really the easiest way. Even wines that say they're vegan. That's great. We carry like two, but all the wines in the shop are technically vegan, but like only two put it on the label. That is a stylistic choice. And a lot of winemakers are like, why would I put vegan on the label? That doesn't, I'm not like, obviously I don't use that stuff. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a tricky Sticky, sticky wicket. It's mad gross. They are not from LA. (laughs) Um, And then glue glue, we'll leave you on the glue glue. Yeah. Glue glue is like a French term and it basically translates to chuggable. Like it's a, if it's a glue 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 wine, it's like, yeah, you just like, you just want to chug it. (laughs) <laughs> like everybody's Saturday tomorrow, just chug a lug a dug dug. Um, any any closing questions? Yes, to the man in the black tea. Uh, your favorite buzzwords to use in this font. I like saying luscious because I think it really communicates a vibe of a wine. Like this wine is luscious. It means that you're pleased when you drink it and you want more. I also think insatiable is a good word Mm -hmm. to identify in your palate because it's like you should buy wine, drink wine where you automatically are like, I want two glasses of it. Not that you're going to drink it, but that you would. Um, So those are my favorite and then, yeah, I think we a lot of my psalms like to like be like, this is the Deborah Messing of Pinot. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's fun too. I usually oh. don't do that, but like it's cool too. <laughs> Personalities, yes. Question in the mustard pant again. Um, so a lot of these wines were European wines, correct? So why only European wines? Because I'm from Sonoma County, so I'm biased, but would love to hear the difference. This is a great question. I love California wine and I carry a lot of it. And a lot of times it's like, honestly, it's at the bottom of our inventory. And I was like, what wine should I bring to DBA? And I was like, Oop, these sound good. And then I just didn't think about it. But we could do all California next time I come. Could be fun. We're all domestic wines. I really love a lot of California mm-hmm. wines. I'm super obsessed with this cider made in Vermont right now. It's super dry. It's from Fable. It's really good. Delicious. Um, but yeah, there's no bias there. Just kind of how the cards lay today. But great question. And a lot of times when I talk about wine, I talk about European wine because it's more alienating. But this is great. We're going to do more Cali at DBA. Hold on. We've got a rust-colored top coming at you. <laughs> so fall. I can't. So it's not really a buzzword question, and it's so basic. You know how everybody, like, swirls their wine to aerate yeah. it? Can you explain that? Yeah. This goes back to releasing aromatics by oxygenating your wine. So as soon as you open the bottle, the wine immediately changes. And the longer that bottle is open, it changes and changes and changes. To the point where I'm a big fan of do not pour on top of your wine because it's two different wines. The wine in your glass and then you, like, top it off. You're mixing wines that have been exposed to different levels of oxygen. You got to get your whole table to agree to that because some people get nervous they're like I'm gonna pour my big glass and like this bottle's mine um 
But yeah, swirling helps to release the aromatics, helps the wine open up. It's been in the bottle sometimes for a while. And the more you start thinking about what do I smell, like we smelled that other wine, it was like apricots, floral. That's really what it's for. And it's for people who want to make the mind-body connection of smell the wine, taste the wine, think about it. Like wine can be that for some people. It doesn't have to be, but it's kind of like a nice treat. Like you're taking yourself on a sensory vacation. Follow-up question. Follow question. Yes. So you talked about the wine bottle being open for a while. How long would you suggest keeping a wine bottle? Like say you have one glass one night, like how long after you've opened it, should you just dump it? Ooh, that's a good question. Con hashtag controversial. It is. <laughs> you guys aren't going to like my answer. So I don't know if I should tell you one Always store your wine after it's open in the fridge. Put the cork all the way back in. That is a big one. I would say max 48 hours. Max. Usually 24. Rosé and white wine don't live as long. Red wine will live longer, 48 hours, but sometimes it depends. I did, like, I sometimes, like, try this out. There's this wacky Sicilian wine, the Susukaru. It literally was good 10 days later, and I was just like, that is fucking, it was almost better. But that's, like, a, an Crazy, anomaly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, orange wine can last a little bit longer, but yeah, not too long. And if you're, there's no easy answer to that. There's Coravins you can buy, which is a mechanism that allows you to extract wine from the bottle without opening it. But with more natural wine, there's arguments that it allows a little oxygen in and changes it. And because there's limited chemicals and lower sulfur, it doesn't have the same stability. But honestly, that's just psychos like me that would be able to taste the difference. It, I think it's a great tool to have if you're like, I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight and one on Thursday, and then I'll finish the bottle on Saturday. You could drink that same wine for seven days if you bought a Coravin. I will say if it's not turning in your fridge and it's been like two weeks, that it's a red flag also because that means that must be highly preserved and stabilized to be able to hang out. Not the Suju car. That's obviously a very different situation, but like grocery store wines might ha might last in your fridge longer than a natural wine because they have a bunch of things in there to hold them up, which you should be kind of concerned about because it's like eating a Twinkie. Like that thing can make it through nuclear winter and you're wondering why it can do that. So dark tales. Yes. <laughs> we got a quiz. I know. It is scary. What are your go-to wines, like your favorites? Mm. Great question. All my wines are my favorites. No, um, I don't know. I get asked that a lot. I think like... You love Gamay. Yeah, like I love Gamay. I really like classic varietals like Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, which people are like, that's crazy. But it's from very specific places. Like I, They're expensive, and I really love them. And they were the wines that made me fall in love with wine. Um, I like... The wines I like usually shift seasonally. Like, I'm really into this Gelber Muscatella right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I, in general, I like lighter-bodied reds. I like interesting white wines in general. Gamay, always. You can always give me a Gamay. Gamay is definitely, like, a lighter version of the juicy low tannin and carbonic. Juicy, fresh strawberries, bright but not like acidic and usually a little minerality. We can bring some Gamay sometime too. It's great fall wine. It's like the perfect thing with Thanksgiving food. If you like a Pinot Noir, it'll probably be up your alley. Yeah. Tasty.
Turkey. <laughs> Stuffing. I'm ready. Any other questions? For DBI Buzzwords Live. All right, well, <laughs> thank you.